Welcome to HackerCast, an end-to-end AI-generated podcast summary of Hacker News. I'm your host, GPT-4. HackerCast is available on Spotify, Apple, and Google Podcasts as well as our website, camrobjones.com hackercast. Today is September 1, 2023. Let's get started. Part 1. Favorites. 1. Factorio, Space Age from Factorio.com. The article, penned by Kovarex and Arendelle, announces the upcoming expansion for the popular game Factorio, titled Factorio, Space Age. This expansion extends the player's journey post-rocket launch, introducing new worlds with unique challenges and resources. The expansion also involves managing a fleet of interplanetary space platforms. The game's expansion is designed to continue where the vanilla Factorio ends. Players will need to launch multiple rockets to transport materials for building large space platforms in orbit. These platforms will generate space science and serve as vehicles for interplanetary travel and logistics. The expansion introduces four additional planets, each with its unique theme, resource, challenges, and gameplay mechanics. The order in which players exploit these planets is a strategic choice that impacts the game's progression. The expansion also brings a rebalanced tech tree, with some items from the vanilla game being unlocked later on certain planets. This change, the authors argue, makes the choice of where and when to go more meaningful. The expansion will be compatible with existing vanilla bases, but the authors suggest that the best way to experience it is to play with Space Age from the start. The authors also highlight that the upcoming 2.0 update will bring improvements for all players, regardless of whether they have the expansion or not. These improvements include better control of train systems, improved blueprint building, and better flying robot behavior, among others. The authors estimate the expansion's release to be about a year from now. They also reveal that they have a stable list of tasks for both programmers and artists, which gives them confidence in delivering a polished product within the estimated timeline. Finally, the authors draw a comparison between the Space Age expansion and the Space Exploration mod, highlighting the differences in target audience, game length, complexity, and engine support. They assure that the gameplay of Space Age will be unique and refreshing, even for space exploration veterans. In essence, the Factorio, Space Age expansion promises to take the game to new heights, literally and figuratively, by introducing space exploration and interplanetary logistics. The strategic choices, unique challenges, and gameplay mechanics it brings could potentially redefine the Factorio experience for players. 2. ISPs should not police online speech no matter how awful it is from f.org. The article ISPs should not police online speech, no matter how awful it is on the Electronic Frontier Foundation, EFF, website argues against internet service providers, ISPs, moderating online content. It highlights the risks of entrusting speech to multiple corporate actors, including Tier 1 ISPs, which can affect large portions of the web due to their unique role. The EFF warns against endorsing censorship by infrastructure providers, citing the example of Hurricane Electric, a Tier 1 ISP, interfering with traffic to a site violating its acceptable use policy. The article suggests that law enforcement and courts should be responsible for protecting victims of online harassment and abuse, not ISPs. It also calls for robust data privacy laws to target data brokers who enable doxing. The EFF concludes by urging ISPs to resist acting as choke points and warns against creating more corporate speech police. The article encourages readers to share it on social media and join the EFF's mailing list. The EFF's website also provides links to various sections about the organization, its social media platforms, and ways to donate. 3. ChatGPT Enterprise from OpenAI.com OpenAI has announced the launch of ChatGPT Enterprise, a more powerful and secure version of their AI chatbot. This new iteration offers enterprise-grade security and privacy, unlimited access to GPT-4, longer context windows for processing inputs, advanced data analysis capabilities, and customization options. Since the initial launch of ChatGPT nine months ago, it has been adopted by over 80% of Fortune 500 companies, with early users including industry leaders like Block, Canva, Carlyle, the Estee Lauder companies, PwC, and Zapier. ChatGPT Enterprise ensures that businesses own and control their data. OpenAI does not train on business data or conversations, and the models do not learn from usage. All conversations are encrypted in transit and at rest, and the system is SOC 2 compliant. An admin console allows for easy management of team members and offers domain verification, SSO, and usage insights for large-scale deployment. The new version removes all usage caps and performs up to two times faster. It includes a 32K context, 
allowing users to process four times longer inputs or files. It also provides unlimited access to advanced data analysis, previously known as Code Interpreter. This feature enables both technical and non-technical teams to analyze information in seconds. Shared chat templates are available for collaboration and building common workflows, and free credits are included for use of OpenAI's API. In the words of Jorge Zuniga, head of data systems and integrations at Asana, ChatGPT Enterprise has cut down research time by an average of an hour per day, increasing productivity for people on our team. It's been a powerful tool that has accelerated testing hypotheses and improving our internal systems. OpenAI has more features in the works for ChatGPT Enterprise, including customization options, availability for all team sizes, power tools, and more tools for specific roles. The company is currently onboarding as many enterprises as possible. In essence, the launch of ChatGPT Enterprise signifies a significant step forward in the application of AI in the business world. By offering enhanced security, privacy, and advanced features, OpenAI is paving the way for AI to become an integral part of everyday business operations, potentially revolutionizing productivity and efficiency across various industries. 4. E-Ink is so retropunk from Rekit.dev. The author of this piece, a self-proclaimed hacker, shares their fascination with E-Ink technology, describing it as retropunk. They see e-ink devices as a return to the simplicity and directness of computing in the 80s and 90s, a world devoid of the abstractions layered on by modern operating systems. The author's preferred e-ink devices are low-powered ARM devices running Linux, which they laud for their simplicity, long battery life, and the fact that they don't require gigabytes of RAM. They also appreciate the high resolution, touch support, and portability of these devices. The software ecosystem for e-ink devices is described as homebrew, with a tight-knit community of enthusiasts who write and share their own apps. The author lists a variety of applications available in the remarkable ecosystem, including multitasking application launchers, terminal emulators, interactive fiction interpreters, and more. The author also provides some guidance on how to get started with hacking on e-ink devices, recommending the remarkable or Kobo as good starting points. They warn, however, that these devices are not without their challenges, including proprietary display drivers and less-than-ideal battery life. In their analysis, the author warns against certain devices like Kindles and Onyx due to their restrictions and non-compliance with GPL. They also caution that the Pine Note, while open, is still in development and may be too hacker-friendly for some. In conclusion, the author sees e-ink as a refreshing return to the roots of computing, a playground for hackers, and a technology that offers a unique and satisfying user experience. This article is significant as it provides a unique perspective on e-ink technology, highlighting its potential for customization and its appeal to a niche community of tech enthusiasts. 5. Absurd Success from Marginalia.new The author, Victor Lofgren, shares his recent triumphs in improving the Marginalia search engine. Lofgren's main goal was to make the system operable on low-powered hardware, and he achieved this by having the RAM requirements, removing the need for system downtime during upgrades, and increasing the limits on document indexing and keyword inclusion. Lofgren's journey began with a week-long system outage due to scaling issues. The outage was caused by the system needing to go offline during an index switch, a problem rooted in the URL database being wiped during an upgrade. Lofgren devised a plan to eliminate the need for outages and reduce system requirements. The first step was to overhaul the URL database, one of the oldest components of the search engine. Lofgren combined two tables into a single SQLite database, a move that reduced the RAM requirement for the MariaDB server from 36GB to 2GB. The second step was to tackle the reverse index construction, which was consuming a large amount of RAM. Lofgren replaced the old method with a new one that created a series of smaller indexes that could be merged. This not only reduced the RAM requirement but also sped up the process. These changes have had a significant impact on the system's performance. The RAM requirement has been halved, and many scaling issues have been addressed. Lofgren also notes that the changes have opened up new possibilities for merging disparate sets of data. In conclusion, Lofgren's efforts have led to a more efficient and robust search engine. His success underscores the importance of continuous improvement and innovation in technology. 6. CLI Text Processing with GNU Awk from LearnByExample.github.io The article, Awk Introduction, CLI Text Processing with GNU Awk, is a comprehensive guide to the GNU Awk programming language, hosted on LearnByExample.github.io. It provides an overview of Awk syntax, examples of problems that can be solved using Awk, and explains its filtering capabilities. The article also explains how to use Awk for field-based processing, 
its substitution functions, and the structure of an awk one-liner. It concludes with a discussion on how awk handles strings and numbers. The article also includes links to other topics related to awk. The author also shares a tutorial on the use of awk command in Linux, introduces the concept of arrays in awk, and shares their personal experience of learning Linux command line. The tutorial also introduces a text user interface, TUI, app called awk exercises to help users practice awk interactively. The tutorial ends with a series of exercises to test the reader's understanding of the awk command. 7. CT scans of coffee making equipment from scanofthemonth.com. The article from Scan of the Month discusses the evolution of coffee brewing methods and tools, focusing on the Mocha Express, the AeroPress, and the Fellow Stag EKG kettle. It traces the history of coffee consumption, from mass produced coffee to the current focus on scientific precision and sustainability. The Mocha Express, invented in 1933, revolutionized home brewing, but its quality may have declined due to changes in manufacturing. The AeroPress, invented in 2005, uses air pressure and immersion brewing for a rich cup of coffee. The Fellow Stag EKG kettle, known for its precision pour spout and temperature control, gained prominence with the resurgence of pour over brewing methods. Another article from Porlex discusses the importance of grind quality in coffee culture, highlighting the superiority of burr grinders over blade grinders. Burr grinders offer a consistent grind size and generate less heat, preserving the coffee's flavors and aromas. The article introduces a handheld burr grinder by Porlex, ideal for on-the-go brewing, and emphasizes the precision of burr grinders in adjusting grind size for different brewing methods. The author concludes that while fourth-wave innovations may seem obsessive, they enhance the sensory experience of coffee. 8. Thoughts about what worked in math circles from button-down.email. Penned by an educator who ran math circles for a group of 7- to 8-year-olds, this reflective piece delves into the successes and failures of various math-related activities. The author found that some activities he anticipated would be hits, such as the game set, fold-and-cut puzzles, and geometry snacks, fell flat. Surprisingly, topics around propositional logic, like knights and knaves puzzles, and practical problems like scheduling a round-robin tournament or figuring out penalty kick statistics, were well-received. The author also noted that activities he expected the children to enjoy, like the function machine game, variations of NIM, and game theory games, were indeed successful. However, he found that storytelling, which he had previously used effectively in non-math contexts, didn't work as well in the math circles. He hypothesized that this might be due to the belief that math should speak for itself, a viewpoint he had internalized from math circle literature. The author concluded that while the children are gradually warming up to the idea of appreciating math for its own sake, if he were to start with a new group of children who had no inherent love for math, he would need to frame the problems within engaging stories. This article underscores the importance of understanding the interests and capabilities of your audience when teaching complex subjects. It also highlights the potential disconnect between what educators believe will be engaging and what actually resonates with students, emphasizing the need for flexibility and creativity in teaching methods. 9. Lie Still in Bed from Ognen.io Penned by Ognen Rigoye, this article, Lie Still in Bed, explores the author's journey to regulate his sleep schedule post-university and the broader implications of the strategies he employed. Rigoye shares his struggle to maintain a regular sleep schedule, leading him to discover a simple yet effective piece of advice, lie still in bed. He explains that the problem for most people isn't going to bed late, but rather engaging in activities like using their phones or watching TV, which delay the actual sleep time. Rigoye's approach to fixing his sleep schedule involved lying still in bed with his eyes closed, a strategy that didn't yield immediate results but proved effective over time. He was able to become a morning person within a few weeks. He then generalized this advice and applied it to other areas of his life, leading him to three key realizations about practice, you can practice anything, use your willpower to lie still, and progress will be in much smaller steps than you anticipate. The author emphasizes the importance of consistency and recognizing small, incremental improvements. He encourages readers to focus on the simplest possible unit of work and apply their willpower there, simplifying tasks and eliminating variables wherever possible. He also underscores the importance of recognizing progress even in the face of setbacks, noting that even if you don't hit your targets, any change is progress. In conclusion, Rigoye suggests that if you've never been able to do something, the solution is simple, lie still in bed. This metaphorical advice encourages readers to focus, practice, and make incremental progress towards their goals. In terms of significance, this article offers a fresh perspective on habit formation and self-improvement. It underscores the power of simplicity, consistency, and patience in achieving personal goals, 
and encourages readers to apply these principles in their own lives. 10. Anti-Hype LLM Reading List from gist.github.com The text is from a GitHub gist titled Normcore LLM Reads by User VKV. It is a curated list of resources for understanding and working with large language models, LLMs, categorized into sections like background, foundational papers, training your own, algos, deployment, evaluation, and UX. Each section includes various resources such as papers, guides, and videos. The gist also includes a discussion thread where users suggest additional resources and discuss various topics related to LLMs. Some users also share their own work, contributing to a comprehensive list of resources on LLMs. The text also includes comments from a GitHub page, where users suggest adding publication dates to the resources, express appreciation for the list, and share links to their own work or other useful resources. The text concludes with a prompt for readers to join the conversation on GitHub. 11. Why HTMX does not have a build step from htmx.org. Penned by Alexander Petros, a contributor to the HTMX project, the article delves into the reasons why HTMX does not have a build step. HTMX, a JavaScript library, is written in plain JavaScript, which is known for its longevity and compatibility across different web browsers. The author argues that this approach eliminates dependency issues and reduces the labor required for maintenance, a significant advantage for open-source projects. Petros highlights the benefits of writing in plain JavaScript, such as the ability to run the code unmodified for as long as web browsers remain relevant. He also discusses the developer experience, emphasizing that the lack of a build step simplifies the process and enhances the debugging experience. The author acknowledges the benefits of TypeScript, but argues that the trade-offs, including the need for a build step, are not worth it for HTMX. The article also explores the concept of enforced clarity, where the requirement for HTMX to remain in a single file enforces a degree of intention on the library, maintaining an equilibrium of relative simplicity. The author acknowledges the costs of foregoing a build step, such as the lack of static types in ES6, and the inability to split the source into modules. However, he stands by the decision, stating that it makes sense for the HTMX project. In conclusion, Petros emphasizes that the decision to forego a build step is not set in stone and can be revisited as circumstances change. He underscores the core value of HTMX, which is to provide choice in a web development ecosystem dominated by complex JavaScript stacks. This article is significant as it provides a unique perspective on the debate between using plain JavaScript versus TypeScript, and the implications of foregoing a build step. It highlights the importance of considering the specific needs and context of a project when making such decisions. Part 2, Show HN. 1. I automated half of my typing from github.com. The GitHub repository compressed by userischlens is a public tool designed for text compression and generating keyboard expansions. It has gained significant attention with 1.3k stars and 25 forks. The tool works by parsing a corpus of text, identifying common phrases, and suggesting shorter abbreviations to save typing time. It generates config files for AutoKey, a Linux program that implements these shortcuts. The repository includes various Python scripts and directories, and provides detailed instructions for use. The tool also allows users to parse their Slack message history to create a corpus. The repository's main contributors are Eric Schluntz and Cobalt Robotics, and the primary coding language used is Python. 2. Fairphone 5 from shop.fairphone.com The article promotes the Fairphone 5, a sustainable and ethically sourced smartphone. The phone features 10 swappable parts, 8 years of software updates, and a 5-year warranty. It is designed to be easily repairable, with a modular design that allows users to replace parts as needed. The Fairphone 5 is made with over 70% fair or recycled materials, including gold, cobalt, lithium, and plastics. The company also supports the people who make the phone with a living wage bonus and is committed to reducing carbon emissions. The phone runs on Android 13 and offers features like a dynamic OLED screen, 5G speed, and dual SIM functionality. The Fairphone 5 is priced at €699 and the company encourages users to recycle their old phones through a trade-in program. 3. N8N.io, a powerful workflow automation tool from N8N.io. The article discusses N8N.io, a free, source-available workflow automation tool that can be installed on-premises, downloaded as a desktop app, or used via a cloud service. The tool is designed to simplify the creation of complex automations and allows the use of JavaScript for flexibility. It is used by a range of companies and has a community of over 55,000 members.
N8N enables users to build flexible workflows and does not limit complexity. It offers features like multiple triggers, branching and merging of workflows, and custom HTTP requests. The tool can be used for various tasks, including customer integrations, SaaS backend prototyping, and CRM customization. It also offers scalable performance, customizable error handling, and over 350 native integrations. The article also mentions Border, a company that uses N8N to assist individuals in relocating to Portugal. 4. YouTube 2 webpage, create websites with text from videos from github.com. The GitHub repository, Aubra slash YouTube 2 webpage, is a project that aims to enhance learning from videos by converting YouTube videos into a webpage format. The creator, Aubra, states that they learn much better from text than from videos, hence the motivation for this project. The repository contains a Perl script that generates a web page from a YouTube video. This web page includes a transcript derived from the video's closed captions and screenshots from the video. The script is run with a project name and the URL of the video to be converted. The project relies on two key dependencies, eDLP, a command line program to download videos from YouTube and other video hosting sites, and FMPEG, a software suite to handle multimedia data. The output of the script is a structured repository containing an index.html file, the generated web page, a directory of screenshots named according to their timeframe, a VTT file with the captions, a WebM file with the video, and a CSS file to style the web page. The significance of this project lies in its potential to enhance learning and information retention. By providing a text-based format alongside visual content, it caters to different learning styles and preferences. It could be particularly useful for educational content creators, students, and self-learners. 5. Shimmer, ADHD Coaching for Adults, now on web from Shimmer.care. The article announces the launch of Shimmer's new web platform for ADHD coaching, developed to increase accessibility and provide a more effective coaching experience. The platform, created by Shimmer co-founder and CEO Chris Tall Wang, was built with the help of ADHD experts, the ADHD community, and a dedicated team. It addresses several obstacles that hinder coaching goals, such as forgetfulness and phone addiction. The platform offers diverse entry points, expanded typing space, and a visual cue for coaching goals. The development process involved feedback calls with members, coaches, and ADHD experts, and the design focused on accessibility, stimulation, and ADHD-elevated flows. The article concludes with a call to action for various stakeholders to join Shimmer's mission. The website also offers a newsletter subscription and links to other sections of the site, with a strong focus on mental health. Part 3. Code. 1. Code Llama, a state-of-the-art large language model for coding from i.meta.com. The article announces the release of Code Llama, a large language model, LLM, developed by Meta, designed to generate code and natural language about code. It is built on Llama 2 and comes in three models, the foundational code model, Python specialized for Python, and Instruct, which is fine-tuned for understanding natural language instructions. Code Llama is free for research and commercial use and is seen as a tool to make workflows more efficient for developers and lower the barrier to entry for people learning to code. It supports many popular languages and comes in three sizes with 7B, 13B, and 34B parameters. The article also introduces two additional variations of Code Llama, Code Llama, Python and Code Llama, Instruct. Meta encourages an open approach to AI models and has made Code Llama publicly available to facilitate the development of new technologies. The training recipes for Code Llama are available on Meta's GitHub repository. Meta has also updated its Responsible Use Guide, which includes guidance on developing downstream models responsibly. The article ends with links to the Code Llama GitHub repository, the download link for the Code Llama model, and the research paper on Code Llama. 2. Slack's migration to a cellular architecture from Slack.engineering. The article Slack's migration to a cellular architecture on Slack Engineering's website, authored by senior staff engineer Cooper Bethay, details Slack's transition from a monolithic to a cell-based architecture. This shift was prompted by a network disruption incident in June 2021 that affected Slack service. The solution involved treating availability zones, OZs, as cells that could be drained to limit the impact of site failures. The strategy they used is called siloing, creating a cellular architecture where each service only communicates with services within its OZ. The article concludes with a promise to provide more technical details in a future post. Another article titled Service Delivery Index, 
A driver for reliability does not provide specific details about the service delivery index but recommends other readings on the blog. 3. FOMOS, Experimental OS, Built with Rust from GitHub.com The article discusses a GitHub repository titled GitHub, Ruddle-FOMOS, Experimental OS, Built with Rust. The repository, hosted by a user named Ruddle, contains an experimental operating system called FOMOS, built with the Rust programming language. The repository is public and has received significant attention, with 912 stars and 22 forks. The project is licensed under the MIT license and includes a variety of files, folders, features, and tools for users and developers. The latest commit added an accelerator option for Mac OS. The repository's readme file includes several sections, but the article does not provide details about their content. The article also provides a detailed description of FOMOS, its features, advantages, and disadvantages. It explains that FOMOS is an attempt to experiment with non-Unix OS ideas and understand the challenges of exokernel patterns. The OS has several features, including graphical output, dynamic allocation, and support for concurrent apps. However, it also has some security issues and lacks several features, including permanent storage and GPU support. The project was heavily inspired by Philip Oppermann's blog and is licensed under the MIT license. 4. Fortran from FortranLang.org The Fortran programming language website serves as a comprehensive hub for all things related to Fortran, a high-performance parallel programming language. The site provides a detailed overview of the language's features, its current status, and its applications. Fortran is designed for computationally intensive applications in science and engineering, with mature and battle-tested compilers and libraries that allow for efficient code execution. It is statically and strongly typed, which aids in catching programming errors early on. The language is also versatile, allowing for a variety of coding styles, including imperative, procedural, array-oriented, object-oriented, or functional. The site highlights Fortran's native parallelism, with intuitive array-like syntax for data communication between CPUs. This feature enables the same code to run on a single CPU, a shared memory multi-core system, or a distributed memory high-performance computing, HPC, or cloud-based system. The current status of Fortran is that it is mature and under active development. The latest revision of the language is Fortran 2018, with the next revision, Fortran 2023, planned for release in 2023. There are over a dozen open-source and proprietary Fortran compilers, and open-source projects like the Standard Library and the Fortran Package Manager are under active development. Fortran is primarily used in science and engineering domains that adopted computation early, including numerical weather and ocean prediction, computational fluid dynamics, applied math, statistics, and finance. It is the dominant language of high-performance computing and is used to benchmark the fastest supercomputers in the world. The site also provides a platform for community engagement, with links to a mailing list, a discourse group, and a Twitter account. It encourages open-source contributions, with options to contribute code, report bugs, and request features on GitHub. In essence, the Fortran programming language website is a one-stop resource for anyone interested in learning about or contributing to the development of Fortran. The significance of this site lies in its role as a central hub for the Fortran community, providing resources, news, and a platform for collaboration. It underscores the continued relevance and active development of Fortran, a language that has been instrumental in scientific and engineering computations for decades. 5. Fish, a friendly interactive shell from github.com. The text is a comprehensive overview of the Fish shell project, a user-friendly command line shell for Unix-like operating systems, hosted on GitHub. It details the project's updates from May 2020 to September 2023, including code adoption, debugging, translation fixes, and more. The project has received over 22.3k stars and has over 1.8k forks. The text also provides a quick start guide for using Fish, installation instructions for different platforms, and details on how to contribute to the project. The Fish Shell project is primarily written in C++, Rust, Shell, Python, Kmake, and HTML. 6. Email Authentication, a developer's guide from resend.com. Penned by Johnny Lundy, this comprehensive guide on resend's blog demystifies the complex world of email authentication for developers. Lundy likens the process to a startup's journey into a competitive accelerator program, using this analogy to explain the roles of SPF, DKIM, Mark, and BME in ensuring successful email delivery. SPF, or Sender Policy Framework, is the first line of defense, checking if an email should even be considered for delivery. 
It's like the initial screening of applications for a startup program. The SPF policy, specified in a text record, declares a list of servers allowed to send email for a domain. If a server isn't on the list, the email is discarded, akin to an incomplete or illegal business application. DKIM, or Domain Keys Identified Mail, is the vetting process, verifying the legitimacy of the sender. It works by adding a signature to each message, which is then compared with a public record to confirm a match. This is akin to verifying the claims made by applicants in a startup program. Mark, or Domain-Based Message Authentication, Reporting, and Conformance, is the selection policy. It sets rules for what happens if an email fails the SPF or DKIM checks. Implementing DMARC enhances a domain's reputation, as it demonstrates a commitment to preventing the delivery of suspicious messages. Lastly, BME, or Brand Indicators for Message Identification, is the exclusive access in the inbox. It sets a brand apart by displaying its logo and, in some cases, a verified checkmark. However, obtaining BME is a rigorous process, requiring a DMARC policy at quarantine or reject and at 100%, a trademark logo, and a verified MARC certificate, VMC. In essence, these protocols help distinguish legitimate emails from spam, ensuring they reach the intended recipient. Resend handles SPF and DKIM for its users, simplifying the process. This guide underscores the importance of robust email authentication in maintaining a brand's reputation and ensuring successful email delivery. It's a must-read for developers seeking to navigate the complexities of email authentication protocols. Part 4. Data. 1. Big-ass data broker opt-out list from github.com. The GitHub repository Big-ass data broker opt-out list by user Yieldrights provides a comprehensive list of data brokers and instructions on how to opt out of their services. The repository includes a code of conduct, license file, and readme file, which contains the list of data brokers and search engines. The article associated with the repository, also titled Big-Ass Data Broker Opt-Out List, provides detailed instructions on how to find personal information on these sites and how to request its removal. The article also provides advice for special circumstances, such as victims of violent crime or identity theft, and suggests measures to prevent identity theft. It concludes with a list of further reading resources on personal data protection and a note about the author's personal experiences with some of the services mentioned. 2. File Attachments Databases can now store files and images from Zada.io. The article File Attachments, Databases can now store files and images by Soren Toma, published on Zada.io blog, introduces a new feature of Zada, File Attachments. This feature allows databases to store files of any size in AWS S3, cached through a global CDN, and become part of a database record. The feature simplifies application architecture and reduces the number of services to be managed. The design goals of the feature include sharing the same endpoints and connections between relational and storage APIs, and the same authorization scheme and permissions model. The article also explains the file column type, access control for files, and the built-in global content distribution network. The architecture behind the feature involves storing file data in two places, AWS S3 and the PostgreSQL database. The article also discusses challenges and solutions of writing state to two different services, data deletion and cleanup, backup support, and additional API considerations. The article ends with an example image gallery app demonstrating Zada's functionality. 3. Query your database using plain English, fully on-premises from Visily.fyi. Visily is a tool that uses artificial intelligence to transform data queries into actionable insights. It allows users to query, filter, and visualize their data by asking questions in plain English. The tool is designed to reduce cross-team dependencies and speed up data requests, taking them from months to mere minutes. Visily is also customizable for enterprises, allowing for the embedding of tribal knowledge and increasing accuracy. It encourages the publishing of metrics for reuse across teams, ensuring everyone has access to the correct answers all the time. The significance of Visily lies in its potential to revolutionize data analysis and interpretation. By simplifying the process and making it more accessible, it could democratize data insights and enable more informed decision-making across all levels of an organization. 4. Home, Database of Databases from dbdb.io The website in focus, dbdb.io, is a comprehensive repository of database management systems, boasting an impressive collection of 938 different systems. This platform, created by the Carnegie Mellon Database Group, serves as a one-stop shop for anyone looking to discover and learn about a wide variety of databases. The website is neatly organized into different sections such as browse, leaderboards, 
Recent, and Accounts. The Browse section allows users to explore the vast array of databases, while Leaderboard showcases the most viewed and most edited databases. The Recent section highlights the latest additions to the collection. Some of the most recent databases include RaptorDB, Relational AI, TokuDB, AriesDB, and Gaia. The most viewed databases are BoltDB, LevelDB, NeedDB, Neon, and BTDB, while the most edited databases include AwaDB, CloseVector, DuckDB, and DB, and AriesDB. In essence, dbdb.io is a valuable resource for anyone interested in databases, providing a comprehensive overview of the landscape, from the most popular to the most recently developed systems. The significance of this website lies in its ability to centralize a vast amount of information about database management systems, making it easier for users to compare and contrast different databases. This could potentially streamline the process of selecting the most suitable database for specific projects or research. 5. Even friendlier sequel with DuckDB from Duck.org. The articles discuss the enhancements and new features in DuckDB, an open-source analytical database management system, aimed at making SQL more user-friendly. Improvements include better error messages, improved autocomplete, and enhanced documentation. New features include reusable column aliases, dynamic column selection, automatic JSON to nested types conversion, and the ability to start queries with the from clause. Additional features like function chaining, union by name, insert by name, dynamic pivot and unpivot clauses, list lambda functions, list comprehensions, exploding struct feature, and automatic struct creation feature are also introduced. The union data type and summarize keyword are highlighted for their unique functionalities. The articles underline DuckDB's dedication to system improvement and user-friendliness. The system also offers features like converting tables into single-column struct, strong typing for performance and data quality, and flexibility through methods like implicit casting and the union data type. The summarize keyword is used for calculating column statistics, similar to the describe function in Pandas. Part 5. Design. 1. UX Design Patterns for Loading from Pensylandpaper.io The article UX Design Patterns for Loading by Fanny Vassilatos and Sira Crawshaw, published on Pensylandpaper.io, discusses the importance of effective loading patterns in user interface design. The authors stress the need to balance perceived time and value, using loading states to inform users about system activities and reduce perceived wait times. They explore different loading patterns, including passive and active loading, and the use of loading indicators for various tasks. The article also provides guidance on the use of different types of progress indicators based on task duration, from fake loaders for instantaneous tasks to percent done indicators for tasks taking more than 10 seconds. The authors conclude that loading states are crucial communication tools that enhance user experience by providing visibility on system status. Part 6. Books. 1. Alexandria, a minimalist across-platform ebook reader from github.com. The Alexandria project is a minimalistic, cross-platform ebook reader hosted on GitHub. It is built with Towery, epub.js, and TypeScript and is licensed under the GPL 3.0 license. The project has received significant attention with 1.4k stars and 16 forks. The repository contains various sections and directories, each with its own latest commit message and commit time. The project supports multiple systems and formats, and offers features like custom theme support, an editor, custom font and font downloader, highlights, notes, bookmarks, and more. The project has had six releases, with the latest being Alexandria 0.10.0, released on September 12, 2023. It is primarily written in TypeScript, with other languages also used. The project page also provides options for users to sign in or sign up, and options to clone the repository. 2. North Korean Science Fiction from ArsTechnica.com in an article penned by Andrada Fiskudian for Ars Technica, we are taken on a journey into the peculiar and often overlooked realm of North Korean science fiction. This genre, while largely unknown in the West, presents a fascinating blend of literature and politics, often reflecting the nation's political climate and aspirations. The article highlights a story titled Change Course by Yi Kumchol, first published in 2004. The plot revolves around a North Korean diplomat on a plane threatened by a bomb which is eventually diffused by North Korean scientists using an anti-gravitational field. This narrative, like many others in North Korean science fiction, is rich in political messages and underscores the nation's faith in its scientific prowess. North Korean science fiction, as the article reveals, grew under the guidance of the nation's supreme leaders. The late dictator Kim Jong-il, 
for instance, encouraged authors to write about optimistic futures for their country. The genre often explores themes like space travel, benevolent robots, disease-curing nanobots, and deep-sea exploration. However, it notably lacks aliens and superpowered beings, instead celebrating North Korean scientists and technologists as the true heroes. The narratives often feature North Koreans as saviors, while Americans are portrayed as villains seeking to monopolize and weaponize technology. While these plots may seem absurd to Western readers, they offer a unique insight into North Korea's perception of the world and its place within it. In conclusion, North Korean science fiction serves as a fascinating mirror reflecting the nation's political climate, aspirations, and self-perception. It offers a unique perspective that challenges our understanding of good and evil, hero and villain, and the role of science and technology in society. 4. Library of Ashurbana Paul from WorldHistory.org The article by Joshua J. Mark, published on the World History Encyclopedia website, discusses the Library of Ashurbana Paul, the oldest known systematically organized library in the world. Established in the 7th century BCE in Nineveh by the Neo-Assyrian king Ashurbanipal, the library was created to preserve the history and culture of Mesopotamia. The library was destroyed in 612 BCE, ironically leading to the preservation of the clay cuneiform tablets. Ashurbanipal expanded his library to include works of all kinds from across his empire, with texts copied according to a standard format. The library's collection included works on various topics, including administrative matters, astronomy, astrology, botany, and literature. Despite its destruction, the library of Ashurbanipal is significant due to the over 30,000 texts discovered there in the 19th century. 5. I built a website that lets you read classic books as email newsletters from ModernSerial.com. Modern Serial is a unique platform that allows users to read classic literature in a modern, digestible format. The website offers the greatest books of all time as email newsletters, with each installment designed to be read in 10 minutes or less per day. This innovative approach to reading aims to make classic literature more accessible and easier to incorporate into daily routines. The platform is highly customizable, allowing users to adjust the frequency of their emails, pause their subscription during busy periods or vacations, and even control which part of the book they'll receive next. The cost is a flat fee of $7.99 per book, and once purchased, the book is yours to read as many times as you wish. Testimonials from users highlight the convenience and appeal of the service. Amy Button, a user, appreciates the cadence of the emails and how they fit into her daily routine. Austin Above, another user, notes that he checks his email more regularly in anticipation of the next installment of his chosen book. In essence, Modern Serial is redefining the way we consume classic literature, making it more accessible and enjoyable for the modern reader. This service is significant as it addresses a common challenge many face, finding time to read. By breaking down classic literature into manageable, bite-sized pieces, Modern Serial is making it possible for busy individuals to engage with these works in a way that fits their lifestyle. 6. Hugo and Nebula Award Short Stories from Litsify.com The article Sci-Fi Awards on Litsify provides a comprehensive list of Hugo Award winners for short stories from various years. The Hugo Award is a prestigious recognition in the field of science fiction and fantasy literature. The list includes the title of the winning story, the author's name, the publication in which the story was published, and a link to read the story. Notable winners include Sarah Pinkser, 2022, Ursula Vernon, 2021, S. L. Huang, 2020, Alex E. Harrow, 2019, Rebecca Roanhorse, 2018, Ken Liu, 2013, 2012, Neil Gaiman, 2004, and Connie Willis, multiple times. The list dates back to 1984 offering a snapshot of the best in science fiction and fantasy literature over several decades. The article also provides a list of science fiction stories, their authors, and the publications they were published in from 1983 to 1955. Part 7. Working. 1. When your co-worker does great work, tell their manager from jvns.ca. Julia Evans, in her blog post, explores the importance of acknowledging and promoting the exceptional work of colleagues, particularly those from underrepresented groups. She was inspired by a comment in a Slack group where someone had messaged a manager to praise an engineer's work. Evans outlines the importance of asking for permission before praising someone to their manager, as there are various reasons why this could backfire. For instance, the compliment might not align with a person's current goals, or it could be seen as condescending if it doesn't match the person's level of expertise. She then discusses when it's crucial to highlight someone's work, particularly when it's not being recognized. Examples include work done by someone from another department, work that happened in a private channel, 
work preventing problems, work by people from underestimated groups, and work by someone in a role that's typically underrecognized. Evans emphasizes that this kind of recognition can help managers make a case for promotion. She suggests being specific when praising someone's work and highlighting when they're exceeding expectations. She also mentions the value of public recognition, though it's important to ask the person first as some people dislike public recognition. In her conclusion, Evans encourages everyone to help their co-workers by recognizing their work, and to expand the set of people they do this for. She also provides additional resources for those interested in further reading on the topic. This article underscores the importance of workplace recognition, not just for morale, but for career progression. It serves as a reminder that everyone can play a part in promoting a more inclusive and supportive work environment. 2. Can a worker-owned restaurant work? From SouthSeattleEmerald.com The article Can a Worker-Owned Restaurant Work? by Tobias Colin Bogue, published on South Seattle Emerald, explores the concept of a worker-owned restaurant, using Jude's in Seattle as a case study. The author discusses the traditional wage disparities in the restaurant industry, particularly between front-of-house and back-of-house staff, and between different racial and gender groups. Jude's, however, operates on a flat structure where all roles are valued equally, with all staff earning a flat rate plus evenly split tips. The restaurant, owned collectively by its workers, has not yet made a profit but is seen as successful in other ways, including its longevity and the fair wages it pays its staff. The author suggests this model could revolutionize the industry. The South Seattle Emerald website, where the article is published, offers various sections about their team, content, and partners, and encourages users to follow them on social media and sign up for their newsletter. It also features a South Seattle is reading section with popular or relevant articles. 3. Raise Less, Build More from Trohan.com The article Raise Less, Build More by angel investor Trohan, discusses the traditional venture capital funding path and a rising trend of founders opting for a different approach. Instead of relying heavily on venture capital, these founders are focusing on building enduring companies on their own terms, combining targeted venture funding with bootstrapping. The author notes that the amount of venture capital offered to startups has increased fivefold over the past decade, but questions whether today's startups need more money, as the main expense, salaries, has not increased by the same amount. The author also refutes the idea that venture-backed startups are staying private longer, and discusses the economics and incentives of VC funds. 4. We always end up with Waterfall from AmazingToe.com. Penned by Stefan Schmidt, a seasoned CTO and coach, the article delves into the reasons why Scrum, an agile framework, often reverts to a waterfall model in practice. Schmidt posits that it's not the process but the drivers beyond it that shape our environment and lead to this shift. Schmidt begins with a brief history of software development processes, noting that waterfall models, like the Rational Unified Process, RUP, were popular in the 90s as they mirrored engineering processes. However, with the advent of the internet, the need for speed and innovation led to the adoption of agile and scrum methodologies. Despite this shift, Schmidt observes that waterfall tendencies creep back in due to factors beyond the agile process itself. He identifies the role of product owners, POs, as a key factor. In theory, POs should have a product vision and make decisions about its development. However, in practice, most POs act as product managers, managing external stakeholders who often want predictability and have their own goals. This drives a waterfall approach as stakeholders want to know when their feature will be developed, leading to the creation of roadmaps and a long queue of features. Efficiency is another driver that Schmidt identifies. In a culture of constant business pressure, everything gets sacrificed for efficiency, which naturally aligns with the waterfall model. This leads to a situation where different parts of the product team are working on different stages of the product, creating a waterfall-like sequence. This phenomenon, termed scrumfall, is further reinforced by remote work, which fits the waterfall model well. In conclusion, Schmidt suggests that while new processes and methodologies can be invented, unless the underlying drivers are addressed, any new process will likely revert to waterfall. This article is significant as it challenges the notion that simply adopting agile or scrum methodologies will lead to more efficient and responsive software development. It underscores the importance of understanding and addressing the underlying drivers that influence how these methodologies are implemented in practice. 5. Earning the privilege to work on unoriginal problems from landmines.substack.com In earning the privilege to work on unoriginal problems, Marcus Kohlberg explores the pitfalls of early-stage startups focusing too much on scaling and perfecting their infrastructure, rather than honing their product to achieve product-slash-market fit, PMF. 
Kohlberg argues that startups often fall into the trap of investing in systems and tools for a future that may not materialize, a deceptive rationality that can lead to wasted time and resources. He identifies three common traps, the illusion of progress, where building tooling feels like tangible progress, the if we build it, they will come mentality, which often leads to building endlessly without customer interaction, and the adherence to best practices of successful companies, which may not be applicable to a startup's unique situation. Kohlberg introduces the concept of platform tokens, a startup's finite resources in terms of creative capacity, time, and internal credibility. He warns that spending these tokens too soon on platform tooling can lead to a bankruptcy of trust within the organization. Instead, he suggests that these tokens should be spent on customer discovery, prototyping, and other ways to find market validation. In conclusion, Kohlberg advocates for a lazy approach in a pre-PMF startup, where the team uses ready-made tools and focuses on solving original problems, expecting to be wrong often. This, he argues, is the time when it pays to be lazy when it comes to platform work. Kohlberg's piece serves as a reminder that in the race to innovate and scale, startups must not lose sight of their primary goal, creating a product that resonates with potential users. The focus should always be on achieving PMF before investing heavily in scaling infrastructure. Part 8. Learn. 1. A DIY bionic pancreas is changing diabetes care from nature.com. The article A DIY bionic pancreas is changing diabetes care, what's next? On nature.com discusses the development and impact of a self-built device created by a community of people with type 1 diabetes, T1D. The device, a software that automates the process of analyzing glucose data and programming the insulin pump, was developed about 10 years ago. It's estimated that around 30,000 people now use open-source technology for automated insulin delivery, AID. The article highlights the growth of the open-source movement in diabetes care, with two randomized controlled trials showing the safety and effectiveness of open-source systems. Despite the increasing number of commercial aid systems, advocates believe that the open-source community is still pushing the technology in new directions. The article also discusses the FDA's approval of the open-source system Tidepool Loop, which could potentially change the landscape of T1D treatment. The website also includes a job advertisement, links to related articles, prompts for readers to sign up to the Nature Briefing newsletter, and links to various services and tools offered by Nature. 2. A new method to reprogram human cells to better mimic embryonic stem cells from uwa.edu.au. The article, Scientists Find Way to Wipe a Cell's Memory to Reprogram It as a Stem Cell, discusses a significant study by Australian scientists that could impact regenerative medicine. Published on the University of Western Australia's website, the study reveals a method to erase a cell's memory and reprogram it as a stem cell. The research was led by professors Ryan Lister and Jose M. Polo, who developed a new method to reprogram human cells to better mimic embryonic stem cells. This could have significant implications for biomedical and therapeutic uses. The team's new method, called Transient Naive Treatment, TNT, reprogramming, reduces the differences between induced pluripotent stem, IPS, cells and embryonic stem cells, maximizing the effectiveness of human IPS cells. 3. How to Drill Your Own Water Well from drillyourownwell.com The website drillyourownwell.com is a comprehensive guide for individuals interested in DIY shallow water well drilling. It offers 85 web pages and 52 videos to help users understand and execute the process, which is cost-effective and suitable for drilling through dirt and clay, but not rock. The site refers to the technique as well drilling, also known as washing or jetting a well, which involves water being pumped down a PVC pipe that is rotated back and forth into the ground. The site suggests that installing a well and a pump can save money, especially for those currently paying for irrigation water. It also provides guidance on choosing the right pump, showcases different drilling techniques, and features advice from experienced well drillers. The website promotes DIY well drilling as a cost-effective alternative to commercially drilled water wells and encourages users to share their own enhancements and improvements to the techniques presented on the site. 4. 111,111.1 meters is reliably 1 degree of latitude from gis.stackexchange.com. The text is from a geographic information system Stack Exchange post-titled algorithm for offsetting a latitude-slash-longitude by some amount of meters. The original question, asked by Thomas O., sought an algorithm to produce a new coordinate from a latitude and longitude pair and a vector translation in meters in Cartesian coordinates. User Wuber provided a solution using the estimate that 111,111 meters in the y direction is 1 degree of latitude and 111,111 cosine latitude meters in the x direction is 1 degree of longitude. 
Other users offered alternative methods and tools, such as the Aviation Formulary and Vincini's Direct Formula. The post also included code snippets, a custom Google Maps illustration, and discussions on the accuracy of the methods. The page also featured related and linked questions, hot network questions, and various resources and links. 5. How far can you jump from a swing? From alexmalas.com. The article by Alex Malas, How Far Can You Jump From a Swing? explores the physics of swinging and jumping from a swing with the aim of maximizing the distance traveled. Malas uses a model of a swing as a rigid dumbbell made up of three masses, suspended by a rigid rod, and presence equations to calculate the swinger's angle, velocity, and the distance they will travel when leaving the swing at a certain angle. He acknowledges that his analysis is simplified and neglects factors like friction. Malas also discusses the optimal distribution of masses to achieve the best swing jumping results, finding that minimizing one of the masses, M underscore 1, yields the best results. He concludes that with these new masses, the maximum distance is around 3 meters. Part 9, Startup News. 1. Amazon acquires Fig from Fig.io. Brendan Falk, a member of the Fig team, has announced that Amazon Web Services, AWS, has acquired Fig's technology and that the Fig team will be joining AWS. Both Fig and AWS share a common goal of improving developer tools and services. The acquisition is seen as an opportunity to enhance the developer experience, particularly in the realm of generative AI, which AWS believes will revolutionize the way its customers build. Existing FIG users will continue to receive support and all paid FIG team features will now be free. However, new users cannot currently sign up for FIG's products as the team focuses on optimizing them for existing customers and integrating FIG with AWS. While there are no updates on future plans, the FIG team assures that they will continue to innovate on behalf of developers, specifically in the terminal-slash-shell. The team expresses gratitude to their community, which includes hundreds of thousands of users, 22k GitHub stars, 13k Discord members, 400 open-source contributors, and 5 core products. In essence, this acquisition signifies a potential boost in the development of AI tools and services, as FIG's expertise is combined with AWS's customer-centric approach. The move could lead to significant advancements in the developer experience, particularly in the realm of generative AI. 2. Tesla braces for its first trial involving autopilot fatality from Reuters.com. The article discusses upcoming legal trials faced by Tesla Incorporated, where it will defend against allegations that its autopilot driver assistant features failure led to fatal accidents. The first trial involves a lawsuit alleging that the autopilot system caused a Tesla Model 3 to veer off a highway, resulting in a fatal accident. The second trial involves a 2019 crash where a Tesla Model 3 drove under a truck's trailer, killing the owner. Tesla denies liability for both accidents, attributing them to driver error. The trial's outcomes could significantly impact Tesla's autopilot system's narrative and sales. The footer section of the webpage provides links to various sections of the Reuters website and information about Reuters. It also promotes products offered by Thomson Reuters and LSEG, such as Westlaw, OneSource, Checkpoint, Workspace, Data Catalog, and World Check. It provides links for advertising with Reuters, acquiring licensing rights, and a section for coupons. It also includes links to the site's terms of use, privacy policy, digital accessibility policy, corrections, and site feedback. 3. Amazon CEO reportedly told remote employees, it's probably not going to work out from theverge.com. In a recent meeting, Amazon CEO Andy Jassy reportedly told remote employees that if they are not willing to return to the office, it's probably not going to work out for them at Amazon. This comes after Amazon ordered its employees to return to the office for three days per week starting in May, a decision that was met with resistance from many employees, including a petition and a walkout. Jassy's statement, as reported by Insider, indicates that Amazon's stance on the matter remains firm. He added that it was a judgment call to have employees return to the office and that those who do not wish to comply can leave. This news comes amidst ongoing layoffs and Amazon's crackdown on employees who refuse to return to the office, with leaked messages suggesting that Amazon would force a voluntary resignation on employees who don't relocate to the in-person hubs where their teams work. The significance of this development lies in the ongoing debate about remote work and the future of the workplace. It underscores the tension between employers and employees over return to office policies, and highlights the potential consequences for employees who resist such mandates. 4. Instacart S1 from Second.gov The U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission, SEC, has issued a notice regarding the use of automated tools to access data from its website. 
The SEC has identified a network of undeclared automated tools that are exceeding the acceptable request rate, potentially impacting the accessibility of the site for other users. To ensure equitable access, the SEC is limiting requests from these tools until their traffic is declared. The SEC advises users to update their user agent to include company-specific information. They also provide resources for best practices on efficiently downloading information from the SEC website, including the latest Edgar filings. Users can sign up for email updates on the SEC Open Data Program, which includes tips for more efficient data downloading and updates on SEC. Gov enhancements that may impact scripted downloading processes. The SEC security policy includes monitoring network traffic to identify unauthorized attempts to upload or change information or to deny service to users. The SEC reserves the right to block IP addresses that submit excessive requests, with current guidelines limiting users to no more than 10 requests per second. If this limit is exceeded, further requests from the IP address may be temporarily limited. This policy is designed to limit excessive automated searches on SEC. Gov and is not intended to impact individual browsing. In conclusion, the SEC is taking steps to manage the use of automated tools on its website to ensure equitable access and efficient performance for all users. This move underscores the importance of responsible data access practices and the need for transparency in automated data retrieval. Part 10. Fun. 1. Leaked wipeout source code leads to near-total rewrite and remaster from ArsTechnica.com. In an article penned by Kevin Purdy for Ars Technica, we learn about a developer named Dominic Sobolevsky who took on the task of rewriting the original Wipeout game from a leaked Windows source code. The original game, released in 1995, had its Windows port source code leaked by the now-defunct archive, Forest of Illusion. Sobolevsky sees this opportunity to not just port the game, but to rewrite its rendering, physics, sound, and more, reducing the code from 40,699 lines to 7,731. The original code was a mishmash of versions from DOS, PlayStation, Windows 95, and Windows 98, patched together with shaky fixes. Despite the messy code, Sibolevsky expressed admiration for the original developers who had to navigate uncharted territory with new hardware and 3D models. Sibolevsky's rewrite of Wipeout can be compiled for Windows, Linux, Mac, and WASM, WebAssembly, and can even be played in a browser. He notes that Sony, the original game's publisher, has shown little interest in the original Wipeout, and he hopes they either let his project be or consider a proper remaster of the game. In essence, Sibolevsky's project is a testament to the power of open-source code and the potential for revitalizing classic games. His work not only breathes new life into a beloved game but also serves as a fascinating case study in game development, demonstrating the evolution of coding practices over the years. 2. Linux on a Commodore 64 from GitHub.com the article discusses the Semu C64 GitHub repository by user Onacourt, which is a project about running Linux on a Commodore C64, a classic home computer from the 1980s. The repository has gained some interest from the GitHub community, with 230 stars and 28 forks. It is licensed under the MIT license and includes several directories and files related to the project. The repository has been updated regularly, with changes ranging from typo fixes to significant code modifications. The latest commit, titled Notes on Persistence, was made by Onacord on August 31, 2023. The repository is 45 commits ahead and 9 commits behind the master branch of the original repository sysprog 21-semu. The repository also provides options to clone or download it. The article also provides a detailed account of the author's efforts to run Linux on a Commodore C64, documenting the progress and changes made over time. The project has had three releases, with the latest being version 0.0.2, released on August 28, 2023. The languages used in the project are predominantly C, followed by Makefile, Shell, and Python. 3. At gmail.com from xkcd.com The main content of this webpage is a comic titled at gmail.com from the popular webcomic series, XKCD, created by Randall Monroe. The comic humorously depicts a scenario where someone is trying to loop in all users of Gmail, Outlook, and Yahoo in a single email reply. The comic is a satirical take on the common practice of looping in multiple people in email threads, and the potential chaos that could ensue if one could loop in all users of a particular email service. The comic, like all XKCD comics, is a blend of humor, technology, and social commentary. It's a lighthearted reminder of the importance of careful communication in our increasingly interconnected digital world. The comic's humor lies in the absurdity of the scenario, 
but it also subtly highlights the vast scale of users on popular email platforms. In terms of significance, this comic serves as a humorous commentary on our digital communication habits. It underscores the potential for miscommunication and the importance of being mindful when addressing digital correspondence. 4. Elevator Saga, an elevator programming game from play.elevatorsaga.com. Elevator Saga is a browser-based programming game created by Magnus Wolffelt and contributors. The game, implemented in JavaScript, challenges players to program the behavior of elevators in a building, optimizing for factors like elapsed time, average waiting time, and the number of moves. The game's interface provides real-time statistics on these metrics, as well as options to reset, undo, and save progress. For those who find themselves puzzled, there's a help and API documentation page to guide them through. The source code for the game is openly available on GitHub, allowing interested players or developers to delve deeper into its inner workings or even contribute to its development. In essence, Elevator Saga is a fun and engaging way to practice programming skills, specifically in JavaScript. It's a testament to the creative ways coding can be taught and learned, and a reminder that programming can be as much about solving real-world, tangible problems as it is about writing lines of code. That's all for today. Thanks for listening to HackerCast.